Hi, I'm Heidi, and you are listening to City Chapel Radio Presents. This week I sat down with Hannah to talk about her experience growing up in the church, feeling chronically unseen, unknown, unheard, and that for her has developed now into a passion for giving voice to the voiceless, but that hasn't been without quite a bit of pain. While you might disagree with what's said, pay attention to the ways that the church did not see her. Keep in mind and really listen for the ways that that hurt. We in City Chapel are taking this season to intentionally practice lament, particularly lament around the ways the actions or the inaction of the larger church in America have hurt its people. After all, if you can't trust the church, it can be difficult, if not impossible, to trust God. Please remember to take care of yourself as you listen to these topics. They might strike you in a way that was more difficult than you anticipated, or might be exactly as difficult as you had anticipated, and we don't want to just leave you hanging. Pause it if you need, or even skip this one and wait for the next if you feel like it's going to be too much. Take a walk. Connect with someone who gets it. Journal. Reach out to Ron or Anna or me. We're going to put our contact information in the show notes. Ultimately, we we want you to be okay, and we want these stories to be ones that stir up feelings in you, but we don't want you to feel overwhelmed. So if that brings it up in you, please, please practice good self-care. This is Hannah's story, and I am so excited for you to hear it. So good to have you on today. Thank you for coming. Yeah, thanks. Okay, so let's start with you telling us a little bit about your experience of not feeling seen or known by the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's hard because growing up, we were just jumping from church to church. Like, I don't think I've ever um, been in a really in a church, honestly, longer than probably three years. Um, and so I think there's a piece of like, if you're if you can't really stabilize and be in one spot, it's really hard to like, first of all, be seen and known. Um, but then I think there's also, um, I think I received a lot of messages, um, within that too, of like, uh, a, a certain level of there's this anonymity. We barely know each other. So we're going to, I'm going to kind of put on my happy face special face because, um, you know, I don't really know much of you. Um, you don't know me very well. Um, and it kind of just, I felt like as that, as I started to, you know, go jump, jump from church to church to church, um, I guess it almost felt like there was like, it almost felt like everybody was kind of playing a game. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, to just be, kind of sh- show up and show that everything was right and there was nothing wrong in your life um, and to be this like hyper spiritual person and we've got it all together um, and so I think I think I thought that that's I think for a while I didn't necessarily think that was fake you know um, I think and how I, did you line up with that so if you thought if you didn't realize it was or if you didn't think it was fake was that an authentic expression of who you were? I guess I really thought, like, for a minute that people were just, like, happy, shiny people. And that wasn't my experience in life, I yeah. think. Um, 
my family was a hot mess. Obviously, we're moving around. There's a good indicator of there being a lot going on there. Um, just like a lot of like mental health on my mom's side. Um, and just obviously like just as a general, general family dysfunction that goes along with that. Um, and so I felt like anytime we were showing up to church, we were, we were like kind of putting on a mask and faking it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, as a young kid, I don't ever think I thought like, oh, everybody else must be doing the exact same thing. It was just like, oh, well they must be like, their lives must be great. Mm -hmm. So that's like awesome. But like what's wrong with me then? Like, what am I doing wrong? Yeah, um, yeah, you took the difference and internalized it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So a part of me of like, okay, so maybe I gotta play this game in order to like fit in and this is what it means to be a Christian or it means to, yeah, be in a church and seeking after God. Um, yeah. I but, like how you kind of described it as the game that everyone plays. Yeah. When did you start realizing that it was a game or that this may be, that people, this may not actually have been authentic on the part mm. of the people, the churches you were going to? Yeah. Um, I think it, I think it took me a while to kind of figure out in a sense, but I think, I think in like high school and stuff, you kind of start to like, or even like junior high. I think I think from again my experience like literally moving around. Like we moved different states, we moved different cities. So like you'd get to I get to know somebody even outside of church just well enough, but then like okay, maybe that so their experience is a little bit different than mine, but like maybe it's just a fluke kind of thing. And so it wasn't until like middle school and beyond I was actually able to piece things together and be like, "Oh, wait, this isn't okay." Yeah. Um, yeah, so part of it was age, but also part of it was you actually getting to know people mm -hmm. and actually being in a place long enough or able to get to know people enough to yeah. realize, like, wait a minute. Yeah, for sure. Were there parts of you when you were younger, and I know it, like, changes over age, but keeping in mind that you had, like, this, this tumultuous family life, there was a mental illness going on, a lot of dysfunction, were there things that you wanted from the church or one of the church to see hmm. um, in you? And it's okay if the answer is no. I mean, it's, it's when you're a kid, you go to church and it's just kind of what you do. Yeah. Right? No, that's fair. I think there was always in my brain like a separation between like God and the church, if that makes sense. Like, or like, I think it took me a while to figure out that like, God's people aren't necessarily like a 100% reflection of him. Okay. But there was always a piece of like, I'm, I want, I need some, like, I need to figure out who God is and like kind of just make sense of my family and this life. And like, if it was okay, or if like, either if I was crazy or if like something else was going on and like what was happening wasn't healthy. Um, and so I think I definitely needed that. And I don't know, I didn't get it for a very long time, yeah. if ever from like a institutionalized church body. Yeah, um, yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Especially because of it's like adults that are 
like, yeah, saying this is okay. Yeah. And you're just, you know, a half-sized human. Like, oh, (laughs) they must be perfect and right and always are. Right? You know, that's how you think of adults in your brain as a kid. Yeah. Like, they've got it all figured out. So, like, I must not have something figured out. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I still think that way. (laughs) Same. I mean... I think there's still times, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. that that person. I mean, they're five years older than me, so they obviously have it all obviously, figured out. Obviously, yes. <laughs> so true, though. Uh, That's then, awesome. Then you just realize nobody really knows. Yeah, we're just all distracted. Just we're, we're all, like, confused middle schoolers. Exactly. Like, we're never quite out of that stage. Just praying we'll remember our locker combination. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot mine all the time. Oh. can imagine that in having to give yourself a front and having this tension between oh like I'm faking it I'm aware that I'm faking it now in high school did you ever build up barriers or walls to yourself Hmm. like with other people oh yeah absolutely (laughs) um I think yeah I, I think if the message was or like what I was always shown is like don't be vulnerable don't show how you're feeling don't express these things then I didn't. I mean, I think, like, to an extent I would with my family, but that was also, like, more with my brothers than anything. But, like, outside of that, like, um, yeah, I think a lot of times, like, I would, again, with, with moving a lot, would kind of form friendships. And then I knew that we weren't going to be there much longer anyway, just because that was the pattern, even Mm -hmm. if there was no indication that we were going to move. And so I would kind of push away slash like systematically push them out of my life because it was like, well, I know I'm going to leave. And that means that like, it's essentially like you rejecting me or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to just like do it under, in my terms kind of thing. Um, yeah do it on my terms kind of thing yeah totally um which is really I mean it it's kind of difficult to help given your circumstances and moving around but that's so far from the church's purpose of like radical inclusivity Mm. and radical acceptance right yeah yeah was there anything in your life that changed that or began the process of Mm. change you know because it's not like it's a one and done thing it's a lifelong unlearning yeah, so I think um, I think one specific thing I can kind of really point to um, was this friend that, so not until college, um, that I, I guess, you know, freshman year, came in, made some really good friends. I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then the end of the year came, and I'm like, just not even thinking about it like oh I'm gonna move on to new set of friends because that's literally what I always do yeah and so kind of started pushing away and withdrawing from some of those friendships and yeah it's like the same pattern right of what you'd always been doing and I don't think I was even aware of it at that time yeah um and so I they had this one friend and she like completely like I don't know if she necessarily recognized why I was doing it but totally saw it and was like why are you, like, trying to break up with me as a friend? Like, you're stuck with me. (laughs) Like, 
just stop. <laughs> um, and I didn't like love that, but it was also like, okay, I mean, maybe people aren't going to just let me like push them away. Cause I think there's also another piece of like going through my life of, I'm just going to push people away and distance them in a, in a way like they, they just accepted that. Yeah. Um, and some of that is as kids, you don't know how to do relationships anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was still of like a, a level of reinforcement of like, if I do this, then I know I'm like, eventually the people are going to stop trying and then that's fine kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so maybe like a little bit of subconscious of like, well, maybe they won't try to, they'll try to fight that. And so I think she yeah. was the, at least one of the only friends that I remember, um, like that she actually did like be like, nope. Um, and so, yeah. She would let me push her away, and I, like, tried a couple times until she, like, literally said, like, hey, don't don't try to break up with me as a friend kind of thing. And I was like, what? I'm not doing that. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, but also then it was like, oh, wait, I do do that. Yeah. Um, and so I think just even through that little, that just that little piece, um, I was like, oh, well, maybe this is somebody that I can you know, trust a little bit more than, like, people I've historically been able to kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so I was able to, I don't know, it was, like, towards the beginning of sophomore year, um, and I was able to, like, really open up with her and just, I don't think I necessarily sat down thinking, like, I'm going to tell her all about my family life and, like, what's going on and what how unstable it's been at times I think I just was like I'm gonna share a little bit and then she just kept asking and I'm like mm. oh, I like feel like I can I feel safe to continue to do this like I kind of um felt out the waters and was like I can do this kind of thing yeah. um yeah. and within a matter of like two hours I'd like told her my whole life story and was like oh well that just happened <laughs> <laughs> Probably about the first time, right? That like really ev anyone had even gotten, maybe even all the information just all at once. Yeah, or just like even like any vulnerable emo any mm. vulnerable piece that would be like, yeah. oh, this is a lot to put out there for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, anyone outside of my family for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Did you feel like the church wanted? a level or some type of vulnerability out of you that you didn't feel comfortable giving to them and maybe withheld. It may possibly rightfully so. I don't want that question to be framed as yeah. like, oh, you should have been. I think that's like a whole other can of worms. But um, maybe, like, I think the only, the only kind of vulnerability or I guess perceived vulnerability that I ever thought was like needed to be there is maybe just like an emotional display. Hmm. I think we went to like certain churches that it was like you were perceived as more spiritual if you were like very like outwardly expressive about how you were feeling yeah. and it felt like this just like you just needed this like emotional cathartic experience more than anything. Yeah. Um and I never really felt like comfortable necessarily doing that. I think um I would sometimes, again, like, kind of put on a show, but I still felt, like, super awkward of, like, this isn't, like, this still doesn't feel like me. Yeah. Like, I'm an emotional person, but I don't necessarily express or show those super well. Yeah. Um, especially in on, on blast in front of a bunch of people. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, like, yeah. 
if that's the one way that you're going to show, and I don't even know if that, how authentic that was, mm-hmm. I just kind of was like, no, thank you. Yeah. So it sounds like too, like, it sounds like there's a difference though, between that vulnerability or that like authentic experience with, um, people than it was with God. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because it sounds like you were able to be pretty close to and have like a strong sense of a relationship with God and vulnerability with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I, I don't even, I don't even know what age, but there was just always a time, like something where, um, I would try to kind of like, I guess, fight off God in a way and just yeah. be like, this is baloney. Yeah. This is bullshit. And like. <laughs> just kept still coming back to it. And I don't know at that point if that was like a little bit of guilt, (laughs) like because of, you know, my mom was raised Catholic. My dad was raised Baptist. Like there's a whole lot of guilt going on. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of hell scaries. (laughs) Exactly. So maybe there was a little level of that, but there was still like a piece of like, I just kept going back to it. Yeah. Um, and then also I think, um, the one, I guess the one person in my life consistently that like kind of contradicted my thoughts on what I was seeing by, or I guess what contradicted, um, my perception of Christians, what I was always seeing every Sunday, um, was my dad. Mm. Um, and so I think, and I, I, he definitely wasn't perfect. Um, and he'll be the first one to say that to you. Um, but did a really good job of like acknowledging, like, this is who I've been taught God is. This is who I've been taught Christ is, but yet that just doesn't seem to line up with things that I feel and also things that I've read in the Bible and like, um, yeah, like this, this whole like doomsday kind of, of like repent or perish. Um, and that yet continuing to read like, how loving God was and how forgiving God was. And like, especially like the image of Christ. And so I think, yeah. uh, my dad just did a really good job of like being honest with all, like me and my brothers about that. And like, I think that helped me kind of like he, him showing his questioning and his wrestling with like who God is helped yeah. me see like, it's okay to do that myself. Yeah. Um, I said it modeled for you by saying yeah. you respected and took seriously. Exactly. Yeah. I can wrestle with it. That's okay. If I think God might be this way, but I have questions about whether he is or not, I can kind of push on that and that's okay. Yeah. Um, not necessarily it's okay to like, doubt your faith or doubt that God's a thing and that he's there for you, but you can at least question and kind of figure out who he is. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like a pretty, like that's a pretty safe and non-emotive way to be very engaged with the church mm-hmm. by like asking and wrestling mm. with those questions, right? Yeah. Like that's a, a way in that doesn't involve like, you know, hands raised during a praise service if that's yeah. not what you like. Absolutely. Yeah. Because as you were talking, it reminded me of something I talked about with a therapist um, a while ago. About and it's, I'm not saying that the church emotionally abused you. It, this is the the <laughs> this. It is, I think it's, it might be an interesting metaphor. So you have like overt abuse, right? Where you someone's telling you, "Oh, you're a piece of whatever." Um, but, or like a parent who's actively like, I'm not going to feed you because of X, Y, and Z. Um, you got those. Yeah. But then 
we also have this crisis of people who have this this experience of loss or abandonment or um, just this deep pain, but they can't mm. ever point a finger to something bad that happened. Mm. It's a sort of sense of like just something is missing. And mm. she talked about how um, it's it's the emotional I forgot what word she used, um, but like the emotional despair of what was omitted, what wasn't given. Yeah, that almost that like that passive, not passive, but. Um, it wasn't directly done against you. So like an mm. example, like you come home, like I think the example in a book she gave was like, you come home crying one day because you got in trouble at school and the teacher, um, didn't understand, misunderstood something that you did and sent you yep. home with like a, we always had tickets growing up with like a ticket. Sure. Um, very police oriented. As I Perfect. Say. I was siding with the ticket as a second grader. Um, and then instead of your parent being curious about what happened and having a conversation yeah. like, hey, what happened? They instantly launch into, oh, you are just this, or how could mm. you do this? You're supposed to be obedient, or I'm really stressed right now. Why aren't you like keeping that in mind? Like, yeah, those nods of, ooh, that resonates. Yeah. Um, so like, <laughs> maybe nothing explicitly bad was said, but in that moment, mm. what you needed as a child, like you needed to be understood because you were upset because the yeah. teacher misunderstood you and that was overwhelming. And maybe something happened with a classmate that caused your behavior that you wasn't seen, yeah. but you needed to be seen and understood. That just was never addressed. And so that pain remains. Does that resonate with you? If there, maybe the church didn't overtly do horrible things to you, mm-hmm. may have also, um, but the kind of this ex- like sense of, I showed up. You were in church, it sounds like, almost every Sunday of your childhood, maybe a different church, but a church. Yep. And you weren't seen. Yeah. And you were in this really chaotic home life, and it wasn't seen. Mm. We have a God who's supposed to be a healer and a lover and um, the, the true father or true mother. And it, that wasn't reflected in the people, you know, church's fault or not. That still happened. Does that resonate with you at all? Yeah, yeah. I think I think I'm like processing it a little bit. I, I totally feel it and I hear it and I think in my brain I'm thinking, well, let's not blame them too quickly because I was moving around and everything. And I again trying to shift like the like the blame back onto myself or back onto mm. my family. Um But yeah, I think there is a level of like, there were churches that we were at for years um, and they still didn't, you know, didn't see or didn't approach. Or um, I think there was like, even in junior high, there was like a period of time where it was like, there was very clear things that were happening with our family um, that would have been hard to miss for anybody. Yeah. Um, And there was never never anybody from the church that was like that kind of showed up that said like hey what's going on or seems like you guys are hurting um and it felt more of like let's just shove it under the rug let's not talk about it because again the game is we show up and pretend that everything's okay and don't acknowledge that we're hurt and broken because then maybe there's something wrong with us and maybe then we're not good enough Christians or maybe God forbid we're not even Christians um, yeah. Or they might see something in you and think you're not a Christian, even though you are. Right. <laughs> you don't fit right. in this like very specific yeah. mold of what they require. 
Yeah. That's something to grieve. Mm-hmm. That we can lament. It's just yeah. simply the failings of an institution. Um, and that's really real, especially yeah. for an institution that represents a religion and a God that is about love and that is about that radical um, inclusiveness and is oriented around the family, like around family. I mean, how like one of our most holy sacraments is communion, hmm. eating around a table. Like this is the heart of what the church is about. Yeah. And that it's not able to do that. That is something worth lamenting. And I yeah. think um, it can be, I don't want to say your story is common because it's so unique to you. Sure. Um, but I do want to say that that thread of this thing happening over and over and over again where the, the church is not showing up in ways that people need it to is yeah. very common. And like those sins of omission almost mm-hmm. um, is so worth lamenting. Yeah, yeah. And that, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that's something that I think I've felt yeah. or like sensed. Um, but it's hard to necessarily put a label on it until you hear other people that have similar um, yeah. threads or stories that it's like, oh, yeah, I've also felt that or I'm not yeah. alone. Um, yeah. And the church doesn't let us talk about it. Yeah. Right? That's something I want to say earlier. It's like, if this is a thing that a lot of people mm-hmm. have this experience in a very like unique way, but everyone has this common thread, the church doesn't ever let us talk about right. it. It's always like, oh, but we have elders who right. can care for you or deacons, or we have this in this program, or the pastor didn't know how the pastor mm-hmm. can't know everything, or maybe you didn't try hard enough. Like so much of, I mean, it's just, I can keep rattling yeah. off the excuses, yeah. right? And the, so much of the blame is still put on the person who's hurting. Yeah. Yeah. And granted, like all these things aside, like there is personal responsibility amidst all of this. Hmm. Um, but again, not, I think it's time for us to sit in the reality of like, yeah, there's personal responsibility to a point, but it also just like hurts. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the failure yeah. just hurts. Yeah, and absolutely. And church needs to be aware of that. Yeah. Um, talk about it. Yeah, for sure. Because yeah. I think... I think ultimately, like, it just, it's actually showing that, like, every single one of us are afraid of that vulnerability. Yeah. Every single one of us are afraid of, like, taking off that mask and being real because yeah. we're afraid we're going to be judged. We're afraid we're going to be found wanting. Yeah. And it's like, if none of us are really wanting to bestow that, then why don't we just be real? <laughs> yeah. And, like, say, like, the game's rigged <laughs> and just be done with it, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, it's like that. I don't. Probably Brene Brown talks about it, hmm. but that daring to be vulnerable yeah. first, like that first person. There's a huge risk. There is. Um, all you Brene Brown fan people out there can correct me if that's actually not her. <laughs> <laughs> not actually her content. Sounds But right. it feels Brene Brown adjacent at yeah. least. Exactly. You have to dare to be like the one to be vulnerable first because mm-hmm. that's. But that's huge, and sometimes in the ways that you might be vulnerable first can risk excommunication at worst hmm. um, or just yeah. very walls being put up between you and the community especially if you've actually begun to build a bond and a dependence on them is that something you've ever experienced with the church or is like has there been something that you've just been like 
Hmm. However, that might look in your life. Um, I mean, yeah, definitely my sexuality is like a huge one of those that I think a lot of the churches, a lot of churches are still like, so I guess it's never been like a personal rejection. Like, I guess I've never put myself out there enough in a church to be like, this is who I am and I hope you're okay with it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's like a, there's a level of corporate yeah. rejection of like, mm. I know that there are a lot of churches that are 110% not okay with someone being homosexual, Yeah. period. <laughs> um, and so... I almost, it almost, I don't need to have like someone have come up to me and been like, yeah, that's not okay. Um, and I think, I think I've had Christian friends, like not necessarily like respond poorly, but just respond with like, a, like a lack of anything. And so I think that in a, in a sense is a reaction or response in itself. And so yeah. I think by extension, that is a portrayal of the church of, you know, I, you say I'm your friend, um, and then you just don't know what to do with this huge part of my life, and yeah. so you kind of ignore it. Um, and I think that's, that's just another level of, like, sometimes the church, yeah, another feeling of, like, we don't know how to go there. We don't know how to handle the messiness, the vulnerability. So let's either say shh or just completely go silent. that you saw the church affirming other people that you wanted for yourself? Hmm. Yeah, I think there was this, um, I don't know, I guess ideal Christian that I think was always kind of upheld. Like, you know, you're like the the one that's standing up in front, like very into worship, arms raised kind of thing, but also like you're super involved, like you're like one of the leaders in the youth group or you're up there like leading worship or somehow you're super involved. Um, And then your life outside of church is also really great because you know, like in high school, you like started your own Bible study and like, you know, you're just this great, like outgoing, like, I think I'm going back to like my high school, junior high self of like what, what was the ideal, you know, mm-hmm. um, this, you know, great witness of, of, for this great witness for God at your school, wherever, whatever that looked like. Um, and so, yeah, I think there was just this, like, this is the cookie cutter, like, you know, perfect Christian and this is what you should achieve yeah Um, did that look like healing for you or was that a means of healing (sighs) like if you were that way then you might achieve peace or is that like oh that's what actually having achieved peace looks like no I never thought that it was like that's like that's the achievement of peace I think it was that's just yeah that's just how you have to like it's almost like fake it till you make it kind of thing um and so I think there's part of me that was like okay yeah I'm gonna be this like super Christian awesome person that like um is gonna do all those things and join the bible study at high school because that's what you do and um 
and I think I like I just there was just periods of time where I would like go through waves of like I'm done with Christians I'm done with the church I'm also done with God but then that didn't work out so well um and so I think it was just I was kind of torn between like okay so maybe this is what I'm supposed to look like this is what it says like being a Christian is supposed to look like but it feels so cheap yeah um and it just didn't feel it didn't feel authentic it didn't feel good and so I just yeah I think I there's just there's just a lot of confusion yeah. in that time. Yeah. Um, especially if those were the people that kept getting um, their name mentioned or like held kind of on a pedestal at church on a Sunday morning as they're saying, oh, look, so-and-so and all the great things they've done or all the mission trips they've gone on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was like, well, maybe I'm missing the bow and maybe I need, maybe that's what I'm supposed to do. What do you bring, or what could you have brought that the church missed? I feel like I'm I have to like, you know, puff myself up now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess just like my authentic self of like just being able to be super genuine and be like I think like the creative person I am. Like, yeah. Um, like yeah, I love to write. I love to express myself in different ways about God and like Christ that don't get the, you know, on the stage very often. Um, or just, yeah, like the creative process of like how much I love to just like brainstorm and just create these ideas of like structures and like whole new things that like can really apply to anything. Um, and I think that a lot of that just, yeah, what d- didn't show up in a lot of my life for a really long time because there was never that space um, yeah. to be genuine, to be real, um, and just to be my full self. Um, Can I brag on you? Sure. Okay. So <laughs> one thing I love about you, too, is that if it's your honesty, especially in mm. an area that you have... Um, expertise is a strong word um but an area where you spend a lot of time learning and developing yeah um, especially around like racial awareness um and what it Mm. means to be people who are white in the city chapel i mean i think it should be noted is a very white institution we are we are our leadership is white Mm -hmm. our congregation is white we have a couple people who aren't white correct but that permeates and not only does like our race permeate but that omission hmm. of the presence of having a, the omission of diversity does have a hurtful effect on the community yeah. of Grand Rapids. And that's Absolutely. something that I've heard you talk about before. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that's really a really crucial thing that you bring to the church is that voice. Hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a good you know, point. Like using your whiteness in a really like healthy and powerful way hmm. um, to kind of agitate a yeah. little bit, right? Because this, this is a real weakness of City Chapel. But I think I've always had that, like, that sense of justice, if you will, and that piece of, um, I guess, just kind of wanting to create space for people that um, don't have space slash don't have a voice um, or voiceless kind of thing. And that's, that's always been, I know that's been one of my passions 
um, from a young age. And I think that truly stems from mostly being voiceless for such a long time in my life. And so I think there's a piece of like my experience and my story. I wouldn't, I don't know that I would have necessarily had that desire to create that space or platform for people that don't have a voice if mine had been, hadn't been oppressed. Um, but either way, I think, yeah, I think it's great that I, I do now have that, have that space at city chapel. Um, but I think there's potential for even more. Um, just for anti-oppression, oppression, anti-oppression in general. Yeah, we're at just such an interesting age of the church because hand in hand with oppression is power, hmm. right? It's pretty hard to oppress if you don't have power. Right, absolutely. And the church in America is a very powerful institution. And maybe, like, I don't know if it'd be bigger, low C church. I want to, like, give a little caveat, not the church as God, I think, intends the church to be, in my mm, opinion, yeah. but is very powerful Absolutely. in the United States. And we're kind of watching it begin to possibly crumble yeah. a little bit, or at least some, um, I don't know, some of the walls are falling down, if not the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of grief with that and a lot yeah. of pay, really real pain yeah. that's being played out and that's happening in our country. Mm. Um, and I'm curious to see over time what, how the church's relationship to oppression changes hmm. once it loses a little bit of power. Yeah. Well, that's valid. Yeah, that's kind of, yeah. If yeah. that makes It does. Sense. I, think, I think they'll have to understand and acknowledge the power that they possess in the first place. I think there's a piece yeah. of if you don't even recognize the power that you have or deny that you have power or even paint yourself as oppressed yourself or marginalized or persecuted yourself, which I think a lot of times the church can do that. Yeah. Um, you can miss that, but I think, yeah, if there's an acknowledgement of, Oh, we've been the ones oppressing, we've been the ones causing pain. Mm -hmm. There is that potential for sure. And I think I, I think I still have that hope. I think, um, again, I've been able to distinguish God from church little C his people, but there's still that piece of if the way God has revealed himself to me and what he's shown to me and how loving he is and how caring he is and how how much he creates space for vulnerability, if that's all true, then me, that means that his people can also be a reflection of that. Mm. Um, so. Yeah. 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 Oh, I love it. This is something that City Chapel is actively trying to do with the Slamet podcast and with this period. It's giving voice to the oppressed. Sure. Um, And actually naming the pain and naming the hurt Hmm. that's happened by the hands of the church. Um, um, Either directly abusively or um, kind of by omission or um, kind of just going on as business as normal and then the, the pain that mm. happened in its wake yeah. um, and wanting to name and be honest. Like that's why I'm trying to even be intentional on this podcast of being like, it's a problem that we're, we are like 98% white yeah, as absolutely. a church. And that's actively hurting the community of Grand Rapids mm-hmm. in some like ways that I don't understand because I yeah. am white. Right. Um, and I'm not going to speak for, I mean, I'm sure it's like so nuanced, but yeah, it's just really important. I think, to start naming that hmm. um, and not giving excuses. Yeah. And just being like, yeah, like, Hannah, we failed you. 
yeah. when you were a kid. We mm-hmm. failed you growing up. We're failing you now by not talking about mm-hmm. um, your, like, from, like, as an institution of the church, like, your love um, being okay. And I think for all the kids who are in really hard families who are lost in yeah. the eyes of the church, I resonate with that so much. Yeah. You know, I was in one church forever, but I, people saw mm-hmm. I actually had a chance where I was able to kind of question my pastor at the time. Yeah. And he's wow. like, we saw it but we didn't know how to access you. Mm. And it's like, yeah, like that is sad. Right. I'm not going to hold him personally yeah. accountable for something like, yeah. you know, communal responsibility and culpability is a really sure. complicated thought, but we can still grieve it. Yeah. Um, and it's not time for answers yet. Now is a time to mm-hmm. grieve. It's Lent for goodness sake. You know, where conversations around like the LGBTQ community or conversations about race or even like conversations about where the church might falter mm. are really, really difficult. Yeah. I also, I think it's just so important to emphasize that now's the time just to listen and yes. behold um, and make that an act of practice mm. of just truly, truly hearing people yeah. without needing to have action, non-judgment, non-judgmentally. Um, yeah. uh, that doesn't necessarily mean like condoning and saying everything is great because um, that's up to you and your own morality. Mm. But to at least hold space for that person to be a whole person and have their experience be a whole and valid experience. Um, We know from social, like I know as a social worker, former, um, that there is so much healing that just comes in simply being heard. So that's as close to action-y as I'll get for the season of Lent. It's just listen. Hannah, you are awesome. I am so glad you came and talked today. Thanks, me too.